Our scripture reading this morning is found in Paul's epistle to the Philippians. We're going to be reading verses 3 through 11. That's Philippians 2, 3 through 11. Do nothing then from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, and those uh, who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord in the glory of God the Father. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, it's, it, it is Advent season, and uh, uh, for many it's already officially Christmas season, you know, because... And Advent is preparation for Christmas. And Advent is a time whenever we're supposed to be searching our hearts and our souls and preparing ourselves for the coming of the Lord. And uh, I think that it should be a time just like during Lent, where we, it's whenever we discover something that's not where it should be, that we ought to be getting it right. And so uh, uh, that's going to be kind of the call this morning. And it's amazing to me, one of the things that don't people have right is they don't understand that they are loved. And one of the things that the incarnation and uh, Jesus' life on earth tells us is that every one of you is important. Every one of you counts. Every one of you matters. You are loved. And Jesus made a big statement to that effect through the incarnation. He didn't empty himself of his deity. Some people think that uh, he was just a man, but he was still God come to earth in the form of a man, it says. There are those today who want to deny his deity. And uh, he, was, he is God. He was God. He always will be God, a part of the Trinity. But he's also designated as the one who is our Lord and our Savior. I uh, posted something this past week on, on Facebook. Some of you saw it. A lot of you may not have. It was a, uh, a picture of a long, well-laid-out banquet table. And uh, all the seats were empty. 
looked just about like when I walked in the uh, in the uh, uh, fellowship hall earlier today. And there's all those neat chairs just lined up waiting for people and they were empty. Well, that's the way that this picture was. Beautiful table, all set and ready for people to come in and sit down. And the caption on it was, soon we will be sitting at God's dinner table. I hope to see you there. And then uh, at the bottom, just right under the table, it says God's reward. Well, uh, I have a, a backyard neighbor who uh, uh, is also a Facebook friend. And uh, he commented in Shasha. I-N-S-H-S-H-A. I had never seen that word before. And so uh, I looked it up. And uh, it is a uh, basically an Islamic expression, which means if God wills. And uh, it kind of has a tie to in James, the book of James, the, uh, where uh, uh, he says, uh, uh, don't don't just say, uh, I'm going to go do this. And I'm going to go do that. Say, God willing, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. <clears throat> Make room for God's will in all that you do. But uh, <clears throat> in the Islamic culture, it's much more fatalistic than that. It's uh, you know, because the Islam, the God in, of Islam is a very capricious God. <laughs> Excuse me. And uh, is one that uh, you don't know what's going to happen. You're, it's all just in his hands and you just do the best you can and hope. But it is something that a lot of Christians also share. It's kind of like in, in Christianity, we would say, you know, I hope so. And uh, <clears throat> this is the main thing I want to get across to you this morning. Christianity is not a hope so proposition. It's a no so proposition. You don't have to hope and worry. Once you have settled with God, you know, and uh, uh, you, you just know it's going to be that way. It reminds me of a story of a, of a, a, a there's a, a, a parrot in a pet store. And there's this one woman would come in. She just loved coming to look at the animals. And uh, this parrot would insult her every time she came in the store. She'd, she'd say, uh, you know, he, he, the, the parrot would just, just tell her just how ugly she was. He'd just use all sorts of expressions just to tell her just how ugly she was. And, uh, and it just would leave her in tears about just being just raked over the coals by a parrot. And uh, the, uh, the owner of the pet store finally had enough of it. He tried to get himself said, anyway, he made it clear that if uh, this parrot didn't stop, the next time he said anything ugly to that woman, that uh, he was going to be out of there and it was not going to be good. So the woman walks back in the store the next day and the parrot looks at her. He says, hey, lady. And the woman says, yes. He said, you know. <laughs> Well, 
This is just it. If you have settled your accounts with the Lord, you know, you know. So uh, anyway, and, and, and the Lord doesn't want a one of us to not be at that banquet table. The way that uh, Peter tells it to us in 2 Peter 3, 9 is the Lord is not slow about his promise talking about his, his promise to return uh, and to uh, uh, make things right in this messed up world today. The Lord is not slow about his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. It's not God's will for anyone to perish and go to hell. It's his will that we all be at that banquet table and he has made a way. And so it's now where we get to choose. And uh, one of the, and this is why the incarnation is because there was a time when we had no way to get there. And that's what's talked about in Philippians 2, 3 through 11, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, to be held on to, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant of being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And this is just a beautiful depiction of Jesus' willingness to come here, to make a way for us. And so uh, uh, there are three questions that I wanted to uh, kind of address. And the first one was what is the incarnation? But what is the incarnation? It is God himself coming and being one of us. Now, the second question is why did he do this? Why would he do that? Why? It had to have been necessary, obviously. There's no reason for him to come if God could just say, oh, okay, I want everybody to come, so I'm God, everybody can come. There's a reason why it didn't work like that. And uh, the reason why it didn't work like that is because God is holy and God is just. He can't abide sin. He can't permit sin, and uh, he must punish sin. And so, uh, but at the same time, another part of his character is he is love. And the only way that that dilemma of the tension between his uh, justice and his holiness and his love could be taken care of was through the cross. He did it for love. It's, uh, well, Jesus did it for love of his heavenly father and love for you. You see, you know, Christmas is a time where we're buying gifts, preparing gifts, working on gifts. And that's what Christmas and Advent are all about. You see, God had created a beautiful and wonderful gift for his son, a beautiful bride that one day he wanted to present to his son. 
And then humanity fell. And all of a sudden, we were all separated from God. And I'm sure that there was a conversation, something like this in heaven, where whenever the father learned that Adam and Eve had sinned and had died spiritually, he had to tell his son, son, your bride is lost and she's separated from us forever. And I'm so sorry. Jesus, knowing that God didn't want it like that, said, it's okay, Dad. I'll get her back. And that's why he came. And this is the plan that they came up with. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So why did he do it? He did it for love, love for you and love for me. There's an old Gaither song called, it's actually a whole musical called His Love Reaching. And one of the lines in that song says, then the word of the father became Mary's little son and his love reached all the way to where I was. His love reaching. That's what the incarnation is all about. His love reaching down to you and to me. Now then, we all know all this. I've told you this many, many times. But here's what I really want to talk to you about. And it's the answer to the third question. What are we supposed to do about it? All we can do, three things. Believe, receive, and share. That's it. That's all we, we can't add to our salvation. We can't take away from it. Jesus paid the price and there's nothing. Any time we try to do more, that is sullying the beautiful thing that he did on the cross for us. What we need to do is believe that it's real that it really happened. The cross is not just some sort of a symbolic thing from mythology way back when. There really is a cross and it stands in the midst of eternity, reaching back and reaching forward with salvation for whoever will appropriate what Jesus did there for us. When I say appropriate, I mean, take it personally. There are some things that you're supposed to take personally, and it's a good thing to take personally. And this is one of them. That sin that you think God is holding against you, that's what he died for. He knew you were going to mess up. And it says, uh, uh, Isaiah said like 700 or a thousand years before Jesus hung on the cross, he said the chastisement or the chastening for our peace fell on him when that peace is the word shalom which means peace with your maker peace with your world 
and peace with yourself. That's what shalom has to do with. Jesus hung on the cross and died so that peace could be made between you and God and you wouldn't have to beat yourself up on for some things ever again. And any time that you do, you're not really appropriating what he did on the cross for you. So uh, the first thing to do is believe. And I know there's been a lot of voices out there questioning all this stuff. But so what you need to do is quit listening to all those other voices that cast doubt and believe Jesus when he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And just receive, and knowing that that means the cross and his lordship. Those two things are missing from so many people's lives. The cross for the forgiveness of their sins and, uh, and his lordship for the living of their lives. You receive what he did and then and you believe that you've been freed. So you believe and then you receive. A lot of people really deep down, they believe, but something is keeping them from knowing that deep personal relationship that he wants to have with each one of us. Deep down, we all have this longing. Augustine put it this way. Our hearts are restless, O God, until they find their rest in thee. We all have that deep longing within. And some people just hear so many other voices, they never find a way to have that void filled. But a lot of people, they do really know that there's something. And uh, there's something that keeps them from it. And uh, I'll tell you what it is. I was just thinking about that it hit me this past week. There are a lot of people they know what God wants. They know. And they know that all they have to do is just give themselves to him. And they do, except they hold back and they hang on. Like usually it's just one thing, one thing that they just can't let go of. And this is what the Lord's calling you to do this morning as you come to the communion table is to let it go. Now, there's a, uh, a story I tell about once a year because it's just so appropriate. It's about the guy that was driving through the, the mountains and he came to this beautiful, beautiful scenic overlook where he, you could look and you could see for 50 miles from this one spot. And so he pulled over and he uh, was there at the cliff uh, looking out. It was just gorgeous, beautiful. And it was just thousands of feet down. I mean, it's just incredible. Beautiful valley down below and just a sheer drop right there. And as he was looking, he lost his balance and he started plummeting down the side of this cliff. And he was able to reach out and grab hold of a limb. And he was hanging on to this limb, and it was thousands and thousands of feet just straight down 
with rocks down below. And he couldn't even hear a bird singing up on the up, up above. Nothing around, not even a buzzard flying in the sky. You just nothing. No sounds of cars going by up there, just dead silence. And he started yelling out, help, help, somebody help me. Help me, please, somebody help me, help me. Not even crickets chirping. I mean, it was quiet. And so finally, he said, God, are you there? His hands were getting weak. He couldn't hold on much longer. And he was just struggling to hang on. And this voice just out of nowhere says, yes, son, I'm here. He said, well, God, will you help me? And the voice says, yes, son, let go of the limb. Anybody else out there? (laughs) And the thing is, this is us. This is us. We know that God wants to help us. And we know he's told us to let go of the limb. But we're scared to. Because that takes real faith. That takes real faith. But you're not going to know his power until you let it go. And when you do, you find he's there. You know, I, uh, uh, one time, Sharon and I were out sailing with some friends and the boat turned over. And uh, I was trying to swim away so I wouldn't come up under the sail. It was a little sailboat. And uh, I swam and I swam and I swam. And he's just saying, this is taking forever to swim up. And I thought I was swimming toward the surf. And my, the pressure, I noticed the pressure in my ears was getting greater and greater. And it dawned on me, I was swimming for the bottom of the bay. And, uh, and I'd run out of air. And I had no strength left. And so... I remembered that there's a, it's an invisible law, the law of buoyancy. And I knew that if I could not breathe, my lungs were screaming, just take a breath. I don't care if it's water. But I knew if I did, I was going to die. So I, I, but I remembered that as long as I had air in my lungs and I just quit swimming toward the bottom, that I would float to the top. And so I just just hung on internally and just let go and let that power of buoyancy take me and lift me up to the surface. My struggling and all was killing me, literally. And many people, their struggling is killing them, literally, spiritually, because they're trying so hard when God is saying, stop it. And if they will, and if they will let go, they will discover that just like the power of buoyancy, the power of God will come in and do things that we could never do on our own. Well, uh, that's what happens whenever you finally let go. And so I just need to... uh, I want you to stop and think, what is it that you're hanging on to? 
What is it that you haven't really let him have? What is it? And I want to, he's, he's saying, you want to be really close to me? You want to really see me in the world? Let it go. Let it go. Well, whenever you do that, you know his peace. You know his joy. You know things in life that you could never know any other way. And you just have to share it with people. And that's the third thing. Share. Believe, receive, and share. And you can't help but do that. It's just, there's just something within us. Whenever we really experience that, we've got to do it. Now, some of you, you may have done that. And now then you've been kind of quieted down by society. And uh, he's reminding you that people need to know. They need to know that they are loved. They need to know that there's a way for them to know that they're going to go to heaven. There's a way for them to be at that banquet table. It's not a hope so. It's a no so. When our little, oh, our little daughter, um, I'm not going to tell who she is now, but uh, uh, whenever Erin was little, when she couldn't even talk and was sitting in her little car thing one time, we went through the bank. They gave us a safety pop. And we were out on the road driving along and uh, I gave her her bar. I can't remember which one of us gave it to her, but we gave Erin. She was sitting between us. We gave her the safety pop. She'd never had candy before in her life. And uh, she, we stuck this, she stuck that thing in her mouth and her eyes just got big and her face just glowed and she pulled it out of her mouth. And she couldn't say a word, but she jabbered like crazy. Like, this is the best thing in the world. That's everything like that. And when you, she had to share, even though she had no words, she had to share how good it was. And that's the way it should be about with us when it comes to what God has done for us. And so I want to encourage you, keep sharing what he's done for you. Other people need to hear it. And remember this morning what he's done for you as we come to the Lord's table. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.